piece of cake. Tom Farriner was the most popular baker in London, partly because he made the most delicious sponges and partly because he experimented wildly. Snail pottage, spinach tarts, truffle and raspberry broth. For the most part, his improbable combinations turned out to be delicious. And he was a funny man, a trickster, pulling eggs from behind his ears before he cracked them into a flowery bowl, pulling chickens out of his ass before wringing their necks, bringing them back to life just in the nick of time before the toddlers started to scream, coughing up the keys to the pantry and turning potatoes into sugar almonds for the young ladies he liked to flirt with. And his cakes. Mary, mother of God. His cakes. He'd learned his baking from his mother, a lady as broad as Tom was tall, who used him as a sous-chef as soon as he could toddle handing down her recipes for loganberry junket, cherry pottage, soul cakes, gingerbread, which he cut into the shapes of his favourite customers. Bath buns, hopping cake, Eccles cakes, queen cakes, hot cross buns, fat rascals, huffkins, munchkins, fleet cakes, brick lane splits, God's kitchels, and devil's food cake, full of rum. Tom's mum died when he was 13, Fittingly, she passed away whilst admiring her triple-iced Mayday cake, had a heart attack and landed on her face, dead in her own delicious buttery coating. He took over the shop immediately. Three flowery years later, he found himself a wife who thankfully loved eating and chopping. On their wedding night, they covered each other in chocolate sauce, toffee and chopped hazelnuts, And after licking it all off, they both fell asleep, contented. Despite their love of sweet stuff winning out over their love of physical love, they produced three children, skinny rakes, whose hair had to be brushed with a hundred strokes each and every morning to get rid of the dandruff of confectioner's sugar that had landed on their tousled heads as they lay asleep. Life was good. Thomas entertained the customers with the magic tricks he'd learned from his grandfather and spiced up his cakes with the secret ingredients he'd learned at the knee of his witchy grandmother, who claimed descent from Mother Shipton, that famous sorceress from Cornwall. He mixed and baked in the shop, right in front of his customers' delighted eyes, using his grand stirring spoon, finishing it off with a abracadabra. Tom claimed it was magic made the cakes rise, not baking powder. One day, mixing up a milk pudding, his wife's favourite, he became distracted by a rat as big as a terrier running across the door ledge and drizzled ten times as much nutmeg as he would usually recommend onto this popular pud. Sod it, said Tom. Let's see how it goes. That night... Very shortly after supper, having declared the dusty milk pudding to be the best she'd ever tasted, Tom's wife pinned him up against the wall of the larder and whilst feeding him spoonfuls of dams and jam, she ravaged him in a way she never had before. Afterwards, she declared she did not know what had come over her, blushing all of the next day and glancing at her husband under her lashes She asked shyly if he might be able to make some more of that special milk pud. (laughs) So he did.
The Farriners had three more children in as many years and Tom sold his nutmeg pudding as love mix. The pudding flying off the shelves as soon as he could make it. The more grated nutmeg, the better. Six months passed and an idea began to grow in Tom's head. He'd noticed how much more relaxed his customers and neighbours seemed to be now. How they smiled more. How much younger they looked. He started adding nutmeg to other dishes, to his blackbird pies, to his spice cakes, to his jellies, and noticed that whatever he added nutmeg to immediately became more popular. He began spending his evenings remembering what his grandmother had told him, other ingredients that made the switch from spells to recipes. Cuckoo spit, rose hips, acacia bark, Spider webs, spelt, dried figs, oysters, garlic, coffee, cocoa and many mushrooms such as Judas ear, lawyer's wigs, avenging angel. He began to replace his regular ingredients with those on this list, noticing with glee that amongst his regular customers the tired became invigorated, the depressed became jovial and that the morose became playful. Cooking was in Tom's blood. He'd always known this. But now he knew that magic was too. The misery of the plague had London in its thrall. Every day it seemed to creep closer. There were fresh tales of parents abandoning children, whole families being wiped out in a single night, churches full of desperate people appealing for God's mercy. Tom thought, Well, God is an helping. Maybe we need to appeal to other, older gods than him. So he made a cake to chase away this dark, pussy death. Melting butter, sifting flour, beating eggs, chopping, dicing, pureeing and mincing, all the things he'd learnt from his gran and more besides. He crumbled in some strands from the hangman's rope. A teaspoon of holy water. Cat's whiskers, slugs, snails, the tip of a rat's tail, drawing a crowd at the window whilst he was doing so, as he'd closed the shop for business with a sign saying, Free cake served at 4pm for all of those affected directly or otherwise by the terrible affliction. 4pm always has been and will be the proper English time for tea, just as 4am always has been and will be the proper English time for madness and suicide. Outside, the crowd were 300 strong. Luckily, this cake was so enormous and quite possibly inedible that there would be plenty for all, he thought. This cake, with the powerful old magic in it, would immunise the eaters. If it worked, he would make more tomorrow and London would be saved. Tom's wife opened the door, bracing herself for a rush. There was a heartbeat's length of absolute silence and stillness before she was knocked off her feet by the marauding crowd who, having been promised a chance to protect themselves and cure loved ones of this horrible disease, fell on the cake and gorged, tearing parts off and running out of the shop, passing word on as they ran further and further afield so that Tom realised he had to make more and began immediately to do so. The eaters exhibited various symptoms. Some were sick on the spot and fell down dead. 
Others were taken over by a lust so overwhelming that they coupled with the first thing or person that came in their path, regardless of previous inclinations. Others hallucinated wildly and began preaching or singing or screaming depending on their mood. Others danced with wild abandon with invisible partners. Others laughed and rolled in the gutters. Others immediately strode into alehouses and demanded gin, drinking more and more of that fiery water than seemed possible. But most importantly, none of the cake eaters had a blemish on their skin, and let alone a boil. On the 1st of September, 1666, the old, hairy-thighed, cloven-hooved god Chaos ruled once again in London. Tom baked all of the day and most of the night and the people came and tore off bits of cake and ran screaming or laughing or moaning depending on their reaction to this most wicked of recipes. They gobbled it up as soon as he could make it and one by one his children and his wife sloped off to bed. 2am. It was the quiet that woke Tom up. He'd fallen asleep halfway through chopping a fig but he'd forgotten the last cake he'd popped in and could smell it burning. Oops! As Tom opened the oven to rescue his cake, the flames from inside caught a length of muslin, which in turn caught a curtain, which in turn caught the tail of Tom's cat, which ran caterwauling around the kitchen in an attempt to put itself out and set fire to everything else in its path. Two days later, and the fire started in Thomas Farriner's baker's in Pudding Lane, had burnt itself out destroying 80,000 homes, making 70,000 Londoners homeless, killing Thomas's family but leaving him unscathed. In a curious, roundabout way, Tom's cake had cured London of the plague and reduced a quarter of the city to ashes. From out of these ashes, Sir Christopher Wren rebuilt St Bride's Church, its unique and beautiful steeple inspiring another cake baker 50 years later, when gazing out of the window, he saw it and copied the design for a wedding day cake he'd been commissioned to make. This cake contained a generous pinch of nutmeg. <laughs>